Today's reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18. It's about putting on the armor of God. And I'll be reading from the New International Versions. If you got your bulletin, you can always follow along. Or maybe it's even up there. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual force of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Good morning, church. To our visitors and friends, welcome. The lesson this morning is about the armor of God. But before that, let me share you a couple of stories about wars. A boy once asked, Dad, how do wars begin? We'll take the first word war, said the father, that got started when Germany invaded Belgium. Immediately his wife interrupted him. Tell the boy the truth. It began because somebody was murdered. The husband drew himself up with an air of superiority and snapped back. Are you answering the question or am I? Turning her back upon him in a half, the wife woke out of the room and slammed the door as hard as she could, and an easy silence followed. Broken at length by the sun, Daddy, you don't have to tell me how wars begin. I know now. Here's the other one. An elderly Canadian gentleman of 83 arrived in Paris by plane. At the friend's desk, the man took a few minutes to locate his passport in his carry-on bag. You have been to France before, Monsieur? The customs officer asked sarcastically. The elderly gentleman admitted he had been to France previously. Then you should know enough to have your passport ready. The Canadian said, The last time I was here, I didn't have to show it. Impossible. Canadians always have to show your passport on arrival in France. The Canadian senior gave the Frenchman a long, hard look, then quietly explained, Well, when I came ashore at Juno Beach on D-Day in 1944 to help liberate this country, I couldn't find any Frenchman to show it to. As, Paul, as Apostle Paul writes, the soldier's armor suggests a picture to him. The Christian, too, has his armor, and part by part, 
Paul takes the armor of the Roman soldier and translates it into Christian terms. Paul uses the Roman soldier's armor to describe the Christian defenses. The nature of the warfare is spiritual. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. To live in this world of evil, sin, and temptation, you need all the protection and help you can get. The Bible says we need the whole armor of God. This spiritual warfare that we face day in and day out can wear down our defenses. Spiritual strength and courage are needed for our spiritual warfare and suffering. We have all felt the force of that evil influence which seeks to make us sin. In our scripture reading, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18, Apostle Paul listed seven parts of the armor of God. There is the belt of truth. I wondered why this was first in the list. So why the girdle first? Because all the armor hooked to the girdle. Without the girdle, the rest of the armor would fall off. In the spiritual sense, the girdle is truth. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The truth is Christ. Without him, the rest of the armor is useless. But of truth of the Lord holds our garments together. Truth act as the standard. It is what our entire belief system must be based on. In John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. When we cling to the truth, it sets us free from Satan's lies. If he can make us doubt the truth, he unfastens our belt and leaves us without sword, with no anchor for our breastplate, and with no standard to cling to. A preacher of the truth said, Beware of Bible commentators who are unwilling to take God's words just as they stand. The first commentator of that sort was the devil in the Garden of Eden. He proposed only a slight change, just the word not to be inserted. Ye shall not surely die. The amendment was accepted and the world was lost. In different translations of the Bible, it says, We are to fasten the belt of truth around, buckle the belt around our waist with the truth, or gird our loins with truth. No matter the wordings for several translations, we are to actively lay hold of the truth and use it. Without an understanding of truth, we are left vulnerable to being carried about by every wind of doctrines, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 14 says that we should, not, that we should no longer 
be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. In verse 15 it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. There is the breastplate. In the spiritual army, the breastplate is righteousness. In battle, the breastplate protected the heart and all the vital organs. Righteousness is the positive result of a sound relationship with God and person. As we mature as Christians, this is what protects our hearts from being misled. This is what allows us to recognize unsound doctrine and unsound teachers before they destroy our lives. The breastplate protects the heart. Our heart is one of the weakest points. By working in our heart, evil can cloud your way, our way and vision. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. When your heart is not right, you are vulnerable. We must remain righteous and we must remain pure. As soon as we sin, we open a hole in our breastplate that allows Satan access to our vital organs. He hampers our relationship with God and hence our effectiveness as God's servants. And that is Satan's whole aim. When we are in Christ, we must strive to look, live, act like Christ. I once heard of a chieftain who, passing by a mission house, was arrested by a hymn. He listened and went in and heard them reading the Sermon on the Mount, specifically Matthew chapter 5. When they had done, the chieftain said, If you will only leave that chapter as well as you have read it, I will never say another word against Christianity. Number three, armor. So there are the sandals, feet fitted with readiness. It fascinates me that the Apostle Paul tells us to stand three times in the space of 12 words. Verse 13 to 14, it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. Stand, therefore. If your goal is to stand, your footwear is going to be important. Firm footing and foundation is vital. In 1 Corinthians 15:58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast and unmovable in the stance of our faith. Sandals were the sign of one equipped and ready to move. The sign of the Christian is that he is eager to be on the way to share the gospel with others who have not heard it. 
In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord in your heart and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Paul characterizes the footwearer's readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. He speaks of preparation of readiness that is based on the peace that we have in Christ. In Nahum chapter 1 verse 15 says, Behold on the mountains the feet of him who brings good tidings, who proclaims peace. God calls every Christian to proclaim the truth of the gospel. The proclaimers get his marching orders from the ultimate source possible. We do not normally think of feet as beautiful. It is the message that makes the messenger beautiful. The Apostle Paul three times bids us stand. In the rush of the fight, men are apt to be carried off their legs. If they can keep their footing, they will be victorious. But if they are borne down by the rush of their adversaries, everything is lost. We Christians are called to stand our ground. We are commanded to stand firm. Number four, there is the shield. In the spiritual army, the shield is faith. This faith in Christ and our unshakable belief that he is our Savior protects us from believing the lies of Satan. The lies of Satan are extinguished before they can damage us if we stay behind the shield. It is knowing that what God offers is better than any pleasure Satan has to offer. Faith can deal with the darts of temptation. With Paul, faith is always a complete trust in Christ. Shield of faith, he says that our faith acts like a shield to protect us from all Satan's flaming arrows. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 9 tells us, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Satan loves to get us to grumble and complain. Loves to alter our focus, concentrating on anything except God. Errors of confusion, why? Because they lead to misunderstanding, which leads to hurt feelings which lead to strife and discord. Faith stops these arrows by reminding us that God is in control, that our job is to encourage one another. He seeks to get us to doubt the word of God. Many have been destroyed by this fiery dart. Satan tries to get you doubt your salvation, and many are tormented by these thoughts. Here are other examples of fiery dart of temptation. Look how Moses was tempted by all the treasures and glory of the throne of Egypt. 
In Hebrews 11, 24 to 26 says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the, blessing, the, the, the passing pleasures of sin. Sorry. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. In Genesis 39, verse 1 to 23, the story of Joseph. Joseph had the fiery dart of temptation thrown at him when the wife of Potiphar tried to seduce him. In verse 9, he said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? What is the defense against all of these fiery darts? The shield of faith. It is by means of the shield of faith that we are able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Apostle Paul says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. Number five, there is the helmet. The helmet was a metal headgear that protected the head in hand-to-hand -hand combat. The head will always be target for the enemy in a sword fight. While the enemy might ring your bell, the helmet would protect the head from any permanent damage. A helmet was vital for survival, protecting the brain, the command station for the rest of the body. If the head was badly damaged, the rest of the armor would be of little use. In the spiritual army, the helmet is salvation. This protects the mind of the Christian and guards our thoughts process. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet of the hope of salvation. According to Bible scholars, the faith here is a general trust in God's presence and goodness. The love is the love both God and man, and hope of salvation as covering the head, preserving the brain, keeping us from miscalculating the dangers, falling into despair. In the passage of Isaiah 59 verse 17, it says, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. The helmet of salvation appears to mean little more than a helmet which secures safety. But as one of the chief benefits which such armor confers is the confident hope of coming unheard. One of the places that Satan is continually attacking in this spiritual warfare is our minds. The mind is the most critical part of spiritual warfare. Without the active engagement of the mind, like learning, thinking, discerning, understanding, deciding, committing, then we are doomed to spiritual defeat by Satan. We can go to say that the human mind is the ultimate battlefield for spiritual warfare. Satan is more concerned about what we think and believe than about anything else. He seeks to plant evil thoughts. We are exposed on every side by advertisements that are designed to attract our attention by scantily clad women. Satan also attacks our minds with discouragement. 
He makes us feel that there is no use trying to go on. That the Christian life is so difficult. The helmet of salvation makes us firm in what we know that are the promises of God. Without it, Satan can fill our minds with as much as garbage as he places without us ever knowing the difference. We must learn to keep our helmet buckled so that Satan's attacks and his fiery darts and arrows do not lodge in our thoughts and set us on fire. So this helmet of salvation, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We can destroy arguments and every lofty option raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Since our minds are battlefield, the outcomes of those battles determine the course of our lives. We have to be clear-minded, as Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. We must have a biblical grid through which we process and evaluate everything we take in from every source. We allow nothing to find a permanent place in our mind that does not conform with God's word in terms of purity, importance, truth, and edification. Number six, there is the sword. The sword was the Roman foot soldier's only weapon. The Roman soldier would spend countless hours learning his sword and how to use it. He had to be better with it than the enemy or he would be defeated, taken as slave or, or killed. He would keep his sword sharp and shine up and ready for battle. To the Christian soldier, the sword is the word of God. It is the truth that we measure everything else against. It is the truth that we preach and teach to pull people from Satan's grasp and show them the way to Christ. The truth hounding our understanding, sharpening our knowledge and staying prepared for battle. The phrase sword of the spirit is found only once in the scripture. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Swords were used to protect oneself from harm or to attack the enemy to overcome or kill him. In both cases, it was necessary for a soldier to get rigid training on the proper use of the sword to get maximum protection. All Christian soldiers need the same rigid training to know how to properly handle the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Since every Christian is on the spiritual battle with satanic and evil forces of this world, we need to know how to handle the word properly. Only then will it be an effective defense against evil, but it will also be an offensive weapon we use to demolish strongholds of error and falsehood. God refers to his word as sword in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. 
It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Here the word is described as a living and active and sharper than double-edged sword. The idea is that of piercing and penetrating. The word of God reaches the heart. The very center of action and lays upon the motives and feelings of those it touches. The purpose of the sword of the spirit, the Bible, is to make us strong and able to withstand the evil onslaught of Satan, our enemy. The Holy Spirit uses the power of the word to save souls and then to give them spiritual strength to be mature soldiers for the Lord in fighting this corrupt and evil world we live in. The more we know and understand the word of God, the more useful we will be in doing the will of God and the more effective we will be in standing against the enemy of our soul. Finally, Paul comes to the greatest weapons of all, and that is prayer. We know three things that he says about prayer. First, it must be constant. Our tendency is often to pray only in great crises of life. But it is from daily prayer that the Christian will find daily strength. Second, it must be intense. Limb prayer never got any money anywhere. Prayer demands the concentration of every faculty upon God. Number three, it must be unselfish. The Jews started saying, let a man unite himself with the community in his prayers. I think that often our prayers are too much for ourselves and too little for others. We must learn to pray as much for others and with others as much for ourselves. What is the defense against evil forces and their fiery dark? Let's put on the whole armor of God. Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 4.7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. So with us, we should not be staggered at the promises of God through unbelief. Being strong in the faith, we give glory to God. You and I have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ as we prepare for the spiritual warfare in which we find ourselves. We also see that there is much opposition in the form of spiritual attack in our lives. Don't be fooled into thinking that it's not there. Put on the whole armor of God. Thank you and good morning.